Treating seed this spring? AGI Storm FX brings you the ultimate innovation in seed treating for your modern-day farming operation, offering you speed, accuracy, and flexibility. With a simplified design, gentle handling, and precise performance, you can choose to pre-treat or treat your seed just in time. This season, choose the AGI Storm FX Seed Treater to keep you on schedule and ahead of the curve. Visit aggrowth.com for more information or to find your nearest dealer. Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. This week, you'll meet Karen Velez. Karen is a U.S. Marine turned farmer turned educator. Alongside her husband, she built a small farm focused on raising animals on pasture for meat and eggs and growing fruits and vegetables with no chemical inputs. The farm started simply as a way to provide food for her family, but Karen's love of gardening quickly turned into thoughts of providing a living for the family too. What started with a 15-member community-supported agriculture program on five acres has grown to a 75-member CSA with sales at farmer's markets to small restaurants and the recent addition of the home delivery as a pivot during the pandemic. The farm now focuses on raising pork and eggs as protein sources and has expanded the diversity of produce they offer to their customers to over 30 varieties, all grown on their expanded 40-acre plot. If you are anything like me, you are so excited for the changing of the seasons and getting your hand in the soil and growing those veggies. So this episode with Karen is very timely for this time of year. Before we get to this week's episode, let's go over this week's listener review. This five-star rating and review is titled The Original RWP. Caitlin is an authentic, fun, and easy-to-listen-to podcast host with a genuine nature and keen interest in lifting others up. She crafted a unique and thoughtful, provoking podcast genre that, as a woman who recently married into agriculture, I find relatable, informative, and thought-provoking. Caitlin introduced me to the importance of mental health in agriculture, something that I hadn't considered prior to meeting my now husband, and something that has changed our lives. We love the Rural Woman Podcast and all things Wild Rose Farmer and Caitlin Dubin. Even when faced with adversity, Caitlin wants to highlight the importance of entrepreneurship, women in agriculture, and wishes to lift others up. Her influence is wide, and she is genuinely and truly a good person. Well, thanks, Jillian Rice, uh, for making me misty before the episode even starts. I appreciate this rating and review so much, as well as all of the other ratings and reviews the Rural Woman podcast receives. And you, my friend, if you haven't taken the time to leave a rating and review, please do that on whichever podcast platform accepts ratings and reviews for podcasts. As well, if you haven't heard, we now have a listener survey that you can take and share your feedback directly with me and the rest of the Rural Woman podcast team so we can continue to improve and enhance and amplify the voices of women in agriculture. So if you scroll down on your listening platform in the show notes, there is a link to take our listener survey. Or if you head on over to wildrosefarmer.com, you will see it there. And we read and take to consideration all of your feedback. So thank you for those who have already submitted their feedback. It has been so helpful already. And friends, be sure to stay tuned to the end of today's episode because Karen and I have a very special treat for those garden lovers out there. So be sure to stay tuned to the end of this episode. And without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's interview with my friend, Karen. Hello, Karen. 
How are you? I am fantastic. How are you, Caitlin? I am so good. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I am really looking forward to talking to you, my friend, and sharing all of you with the audience for the Rural Woman Podcast, because I just love you to bits, Karen. Oh, that's sweet. I am super excited to be here. And I want to thank you for continuing to highlight women in in rural areas and and telling their stories, because I think it's something that doesn't happen often enough. And I think those stories need to be heard. So thank you for doing this. Well, thank you. I appreciate you. Let's not get misty before we even start. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So Karen, you have made this interview and setting up my questions extremely easy for me with the wonderful bio that you provided me. So in your bio, you say that you are a U.S. Marine turned farmer turned educator. So let's take some time to go through each and every one of those steps in your journey. (laughs) Sure. So start off and tell us a bit more about your time in the U.S. Marines. So it was funny. I, from, you know, the time I was little, wanted to be a veterinarian, like the furthest thing from military you could possibly think of. My dad was military. He was Air Force, but not during the time that I was alive. That was before I was even born. And I had members of the family who had all been military, but it was actually my high school boyfriend his dad was a Marine. His grandfather was a Marine. And so from the time he was like seven years old, he wanted to be a Marine we eventually got married and, you know, he had some delays going in. And so he didn't end up going in until after we were married. At the time I was working for a newspaper and I was super interested in writing and broadcasting and all kinds of stuff. And the recruiter already knew that he had my husband locked on. So he turned his sights on me and started, you know, well, where, what are you doing? Where are you going in life? What, what are you working on? You know, and introduced me to the fact that There was broadcasting and public affairs and journalism in the Marine Corps. And I, at the time, didn't even know that there were women in the Marines. You know, this was back in the early 90s. I had no clue. And so, of course, me ever wanting to take on another challenge, uh, I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Sign me up, you know? And so I ended up going through and I loved it. I loved the Marines. I loved being a Marine. But unfortunately, you know, series of events later on, I ended up developing chronic illnesses. And those chronic illnesses forced my early medical retirement from the Marine Corps. And of course, by this time, I'm now a single mom with three kids and was living on a, you know, on a military salary, which was fine, but then was retired. And, you know, then there was, there was no salary. I had to figure out what to do from that point. So the good thing about it though, is I met my current husband while I was in the Marines. So that was another good thing that came out of it. But yeah, I absolutely loved being a Marine. I loved the challenge. I loved the physical aspect of it. And I loved the structure of it. So yeah, super proud to be a Marine. Yeah, that is so great. Well, and I would like to thank you for your service for your country on behalf of all of our US listeners. And even here in Canada, thank you for keeping the world going the way it is. So thank you. My pleasure. (laughs) So after you were retired from the Marines, you're like you said, you were a single mom of three kids and going from a Marine salary to not having one, that is the ultimate definition of a pivot, I think, pre-2020, right? <laughs> so Yeah, for sure. So what was next for you? Well, I knew I knew having chronic illness, I was not going to be able to work a normal, you know, eight to five job because, you know, I needed to be able to take the breaks when I needed to take the breaks. Otherwise, I paid the price for it. You know, if if I had to stop midday and lay down or take a nap or, you know, just just do something to rest, that needed to be done. So it seemed to me that the only thing that I could do would be able to work for myself. And so I started a small business management company in the basement of our little duplex. And I worked for, you know, I outsourced basically either bookkeeping or taxes, accounting, marketing, building people's websites. This was, you know, back in the, you know, early 2000s, this was 20 years ago. You couldn't just go online and like drag and drop and build your own website. People actually still had to pay other people to do their websites. So I did that. I did customer service. And that actually was my main focus for a lot of years. And I actually hired a few people and eventually sort of went out in town and had a little office out in town and was working with people. And so that was, you know, my main, my main thing at that point. And 
you know, somewhere along the way, I started gardening. <laughs> and, you know, my it, it started because my daughter came home from school. And of course, you know, again, I was still a single mom, three kids. I was on the, or my kids were on the free and reduced lunch program. If you're here in the US, you know, you know, a lot of the school districts have that. And it was, you know, week to week, especially working for myself. Like I didn't have a steady paycheck. It was me and it was invoicing and it was making sure that my clients were paying on time. And that, and then I took on employees and I had to pay them first. So budget was, you know, crazy tight. And so at the time my daughter comes home and she says, well, we're boycotting the school lunches because they're nasty. Uh, what? you're okay. (laughs) You understand that your lunches only cost me 65 cents right now. Right. (laughs) Like I, 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 you know, I had no, I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. And so I thought, okay, well, we're going to figure this out. And I I just decided randomly, I'm going to start a garden. And so I found a little corner in the back of the yard and it was like behind a shed and I threw a bunch of seeds out there and got really, really lucky that it did really well. Like it, it flourished. So we had cucumbers and we had all this stuff, whatever. And I thought, oh, this is kind of easy. Okay, cool. You know, in the meantime, I got married to my Marine husband and we moved to five acres. And at the time I realized that I had overextended myself on how I was working. The whole idea of me working for myself was I could take the breaks when I needed to, and I didn't have to leave the house to go. But here, my type A personality and always having to go for the next challenge, I'd gone and had an office out in town and then I had employees and I wasn't taking the breaks and my health was taking the hit for it. So when we moved to the five acres, it was, let me, let me shrink back down to not having an office out in town, working out of home again, letting my employees work from home and sort of take a step back a little bit and and focus on my health a little bit, which in turn led to me planting a bigger garden, you know, it was, it was, Hey, well, let's, let's cut out the chemicals. Let's make sure we're doing things organically and, and let's go ahead and and continue the gardening thing. So all because your daughter didn't want to eat nasty school lunches anymore. That's it. They boycotted (laughs) and they said, you know, uh -uh, we're not, we're not eating this greasy pizza. We're going to bring our own lunches. I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) now I got to provide you with something. (laughs) What do I have in the house that I can send you to school with? That is not a greasy, you know, slice of pizza or whatever. So yeah. So yeah, she, I mean, it wasn't that I hadn't gardened, you know, as a kid, we lived in Colorado and my, you know, we had a backyard garden, but then as we moved around, we didn't have a space for a vegetable garden. So it wasn't something that I had done as an adult, you know, or even thought about doing as an adult. It was, it was, it was that random. It was literally her coming home and me going, oh, well, okay. I mean, my mom had a garden. I can, I can do a garden. Right. Right. You know, and it seemed easy the first time. (laughs) You know, I think everyone's optimistic at the idea that it should just be really easy to be able to grow food. And like you said, throw seeds out and things happen. And damn, if you are lucky enough, the fact that you got cucumbers out of just throwing seeds out of there, I commend you because, you know, (laughs) maybe that's my problem. I put too much effort into it and get no cucumbers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, unfortunately, I was, I was, well, fortunately, yes. I was, I was just as lucky when we moved to the five acres. So, and the thing about moving to the five acres was not just about like, oh, now I get to have this huge garden, but I did. I mean, I got to have a huge garden, but also the animal lover in me was like, oh, we can have chickens. We can have chickens and we'll have, we'll have eggs right there because not only did I still have my three kids, I married into three more kids. (laughs) So there were six total. And it was, Oh, okay. Well, eggs. Yeah, we can have chickens. And so that, that shed that was in the backyard of the other house that I had planted the garden behind came with us and got turned into a chicken coop. And as anybody who has had livestock knows, chickens are the gateway livestock. So that very quickly moved from chickens to literally everything you could possibly raise with the exception of, of like anything that has to be shorn. So no sheep, no alpacas, none of that stuff, but chickens, turkeys, geese, ducks, guineas, pheasant, quail. Then we went into the goats and it was cow, calf, pears, also some horses. Then we moved into pigs. Like it was ridiculous on this five acres. In addition to, oh, I've got this huge garden. Oh yes. Look at what I can grow. And we, now again, all I did was throw the seeds out there, right? It was like, oh, I did so great on this little tiny garden. Let's do this big garden. 
and we planted so much stuff. I, I, my husband did not realize when I handed him the like one pound bag of sweet corn seed that I didn't intend for him to plant all of it. So if you're not a gardener, a pound of sweet corn seed is a lot of sweet corn for one family. <laughs> so I very quickly had to learn how to can and freeze a lot of this stuff. But that first garden on the five acre place went crazy. And I thought, this is so easy. And this is so great. We had friends coming over on the weekends because we were giving away zucchini and cucumbers and sweet corn, like here, please take this home with you, you know? And we canned up everything. And I would sit in my office and I'd be working on the computer and I'd be staring out my front window, which was, I could see the garden from there. And there was just this creeping sense of, I don't want to be in the house anymore. I don't want to be sitting at this desk. I want to be outside. I want to be in the garden. I want to be working with the animals. I don't, I don't want to sit here anymore. And very slowly that started to turn into, well, how can I make money from the garden? How can I make money from our little farmstead? Because I mean, we were doing pretty well as far as I was concerned, doing all this stuff for ourselves. And so I did a little digging and I came across this concept called Community Supported Agriculture, or CSA. And it was something that had been started. It came from a lot of different places, but in the U.S., it sort of started early 80s or so with a couple of different farms that had this idea that the community around them could support a small farm in the off-season monetarily. And then during the harvest season, those supporters would get a share of the harvest. And so I thought, well, shoot, if I could do something like that out of our big garden, you know, then maybe we can make a little side money from this garden and I could see how it works. And so that's what I did. You know, I said, okay, well, you know, I presented this to my husband who at the time was still, he was still on active duty with the Marine Corps. I said, what would you think about, you know, this, you know, from the farm? He's from Brooklyn. (laughs) He looked at me like I had two heads. And then he kind of went, Okay, sure. That's what you want to try. Let's give it a shot. So, I mean, he's super supportive, which is great because I've gotten us into a lot of crazy <laughs> things over the years. And so we did. So I started with 15 you know, members and I signed us up on a, a site called Local Harvest and said, hey, we're offering farm shares. This is what we're going to do. This is where we're going to have them picked up. And this is how much it's going to cost. And I'll be, and I just, I said 15, that's all I'm going to do is like 15 families or 15 shares or whatever. And I'll be darned if we didn't sell all 15 of those. And here in, we're in, we're South of the Kansas city Metro area on the Missouri side. And nobody had any idea what a CSA was. They were like, okay, now what are you doing now? What is this called? And so I had to explain to them, you are investing in our farm in the off season. You're buying a share the same way that you would a share of a company. Only your return on investment is going to be in produce. It's going to be whatever we pull out of our garden. And you will hopefully get back more than what you put in. And that's the whole idea. And in the meantime, it gives us literal seed money. We could buy the seeds and we could buy the boxes that we needed to, you know, to share with them their produce. And then we, you know, picked a couple of farmers markets where they could come and pick them up. And we figured if we had anything extra that we grew, we would be able to sell it at the farmer's market. And I thought that was going to be obvious because we had done so well that first year on the garden. I mean, it was like, oh my gosh, it had gone nuts. Not knowing anything about the fact, soil fertility, you know, any what you take out, you got to put back in again at some point. You can't keep growing vegetables in the same spot year after year because that five acres used to be all cattle pasture. Of course it was fertile. (laughs) Of course I could just throw some seeds out there and they would do fabulously well. And we didn't have any insects or anything else. And so that second year, what one year I did this. And then the second year, oh, we're going to do this for the public. Lost my mind. (laughs) It 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 wasn't as easy. You know, there was more, there was, there was a few more challenges. Things weren't quite growing the way that they should, or we had more bugs and it was like, oh, this is a little bit more effort. Okay. Well, let me figure this out. And that's when the research started. And that was, let me start reading. I had already been doing that with the livestock. I had book after book after book on my shelves of, of, you know, stuff about livestock, but 
I don't think I had a single gardening book at that point. And that's when, that's when the education of farmer Karen <laughs> began. <laughs> right. Karen, what year was that? What year did you start your garden and what year did you start your CSA? I started the garden in 2006 was our first garden. And so we went into the 2007 season and signed up for 2008. So 2008 was when we started delivering our first, our first produce. It's crazy to me to think 2008. It doesn't seem like that long ago, but you know, I always think like 20 years ago was whatever time and it's not. Uh, So (laughs) I feel like I'm getting to that age where I'm like, oh, 20 years ago was, you know, whatever time. No, it wasn't 1990, 20 years ago. That was 30 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, having to look back and now we're in 2022 and when we hear the term CSA, even from an urban setting, that seems to be more of a normal thing. And I think we can thank 2020 because of that and not having the normal food that we would have in a grocery store and looking for it in different ways. But for you to go back to 2008 to have to explain to people what they were buying into, how was that? Was Were people, obviously you sold out your shares, were they receptive? Were they, did they think you were selling snake oil? (laughs) (laughs) I think it was a little confusing at first. It was, you know, I think I did have to put it in terms of, you know, like I said, buying stocks or or shares in a company and getting a return on investment. That was the only way that I could really make people understand what it was. And it did, it did involve risk. It still involves risk. So when we take, you know, deposits or we take payments for CSA, it is in the off-season. We start with that like October, November timeframe. They're not getting the fruits of our labor until May, you know, and their their share has to be paid off by the beginning of February. So that was a hard concept, I think, for people to understand was, wait, I'm giving you money now and I got to wait five months or so in order to be able to get anything. So, and thankfully we started it very inexpensively. Like we... Part of the idea was, you know, I was that single mom. I was that. And even with when I wasn't single anymore, you know, we had this, this, you know, group of six kids or whatever that needed to be fed. And my husband was still on a military salary and I was working from home. How do you get that fresh produce without breaking the bank? You know, and how I wasn't going to charge an arm and a leg for other people to be able to do that. I wanted it to be accessible to as many people as possible. So we didn't make it a crazy amount of an investment. So if something happens and we were unable to produce as much as we had hoped for, it wasn't like it was going to break anybody's budget at that point. That risk and reward thing was, look, if we have a banner year, you are going to get a glut and you are going to get the, you know, all the stuff that we're harvesting and it's going to be fabulous. But keep in mind, if there is a crop failure, you're also sharing in that risk. And that I think was probably the hardest part for people to get behind. But the people who signed up that first year were the types of people who were looking to support local agriculture already. And so this was just a way for them to be able to do that and also build a relationship with the person who was providing their food. We got lucky because those people, they already kind of got it. You know, they already, that was already their mindset at this, at that point. So as we've continued to do this, more and more people have come to understand what it is that we're trying to do. And now other CSA farms are trying to do by connecting people with their food. And we've still always tried to make it to where it is accessible to as many people as possible. Well, and it's just so interesting. Again, like I said, back in 2008, which was 14 years ago. Thank you, calculator on my computer here. 14 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> yeah. They gave you their hard-earned money and, you know, waited that time to get the reward from it. And obviously, you know, your first year of your garden was super successful. You know, take us quickly through those 14 years and 
kind of the challenges that you saw through growth of your CSA and to where we are today in 2022. Yeah, man, I tell you, the the first couple of years were actually, you know, it's it's all been learning experiences. I I I haven't stopped learning. That second garden and the third garden were a little bit more challenging because again, I knew nothing about the nutrients. I didn't know, you know, fertilizer from a hole in the ground. I you know, what, what do I do? Why isn't this growing? Why do I have these diseases now that are suddenly popping up? Why am I having all of these insects now that are suddenly wanting to eat exactly what it is that we're trying to harvest? So the first few years was a lot of reading and researching and trying to figure that out. And at the same time, realizing that I, I had zero interest in continuing my other business. I was over it. I wanted to be outside and I wanted that to be our full-time gig. And so that's what I ended up doing. I slowly backed off of all of my clients and slowly increased what we were growing and eventually shut down my other business and made the farm my full-time gig. And then my husband would help part-time after working on the weekends and stuff. At some point, he actually came off of active duty and for about six months, it was, okay, this is our full-time thing. This is all we're doing. And he worked right alongside me and we did all this. And then we realized that we didn't have enough infrastructure to really be able to do what we wanted to do and make it our sole income. So he went back to work and it was supposed to be a temporary job, which turned into three years. (laughs) So I was running things basically by myself. It was hard, but it was probably as much as I enjoyed the hard work that was, you know, being a Marine. I enjoyed this just as much. It was, it, there was a focus to it. There was a mission behind it, you know, essentially feeding people. It was responsible for not just the CSA subscriptions, which continued to kind of grow. We went from 15 to I think 25 the next year. And then we started including a a meat share that was separate from that and got a little bit bigger. And I continued to try to research and, and learn as I was going. And at some point along the way, decided that I wanted to go back to school and I, I wanted to get a degree in horticulture. And I tried initially, but there was still those nagging illnesses in the background. And I had increased the amount of time that I was spending in the dirt and with the animals. And there was no energy left. There was no physical capability for me to be able to do school at that point. So that kind of got shoved into the corner and I just kind of continued to educate myself however I could. And we wanted to go bigger, you know, with all the animals and stuff that we had. And plus the garden, five acres is not a lot. It seemed like a lot when we first moved out there, like it's, oh, I've got this five acres. Look what I can do with it. And very quickly, we just didn't have enough room anymore. And yeah, my husband and one of my kids happened to see, uh, you know, a for sale sign on a a 40 acre property. And he came home and told me about it. And I was like, 40 acres, like, holy cow, that's, that's, wow, (laughs) that's a lot. But we went and looked at it and had a tiny little farmhouse. And at this point, you know, kids were kind of starting to move out of the house a little bit. And we were able to down, we had the possibility of being able to downsize the house, but have a little bit more land to work with. And at that point, I had to tell him, look, if we do this, it can't just be me anymore. There is no way that I will be able to operate all of this by myself. I'm already killing myself as it is. I said, you're, you're going to have to, we have to make a decision. Either we make this leap and you come back to the farm full time, or we stay the size that we are and we stay on the five acres and you make your temporary job permanent. And that's just how it ends up being. And the decision was made. He was, it was, you know, Hey, cut the cord. This is it. We are full-time farmers. And so, you know, we, we got the 40 acres and somewhere along the way, we discovered that one of my chronic illnesses was actually curable through surgery. I had hyperparathyroidism. Basically I had an adenoma on one of my parathyroids and your parathyroid is responsible for regulating the calcium level in your body. And if you end up with a, a, an adenoma or a tumor on one of those glands, it will permanently be stuck in the on position, which means it will suck all the calcium out of your body because it just assumes that you don't have enough calcium. And so it's going to continue to do that. And 
as we transitioned to the new farm, I was actually getting worse. I was getting sicker and sicker. And, you know, even though our focus was, hey, we're not using any pesticides or herbicides. We're not using chemical fertilizers. We're, you know, where the chickens are free ranging, the, the, the pigs are, you know, on pasture. Like we were trying to do things as naturally as possible. I was getting worse and it wasn't making any sense to me. And once we discovered what it was that had been going on for 15 years, this had been building up to the point where I was no longer sleeping. I was lucky if I was getting two to three hours of sleep, it would take me hours to even fall asleep. The calcium was being pulled from my bones. So I developed osteopenia and osteoporosis, mind you, in my early 40s. I was in excruciating pain from headaches and bone pain 90% of the time and was trying to run a farm and, you know, raise almost adult kids. You know, I think by this time, our youngest was sophomore in high school, maybe. And we discovered that there was a fix for this. You go in and you remove the darn thing, you know? And so I had the surgery and within, I think, two or three months, the pain that I'd been dealing with was gone and I was able to sleep and I didn't have the headaches. And it was like, I was a completely different person, completely different person. And my type A challenge personality said, oh, hey, you can go back to school now. <laughs> and so, so that's what I did. <laughs> I, in addition to running this farm and a now 75 member CSA program, and, you know, finishing raising, you know, kids and sending the last one off to college and everything else. I too went back to school. I went to Oregon State University to get my horticulture degree. <laughs> Karen, from what I know about you, like this story just doesn't surprise me at all that you did this. <laughs> but <laughs> Oh, and I think it just, you know, drives home the fact that as farmers, we have to take care of ourselves physically just as much as we take care of everything else on our farm because if we don't have our physical strength and our mental stability or anything we can't provide food for other people so i am so grateful that they were able to cure at least something that was going on for so long and that was wreaking havoc on you and you were able to expand and you know go back to school and get your degree Tell us more about your degree and what you've been able to do with your degree since you've been able to graduate. So I graduated with a degree in horticulture. My focus was on, you know, organic farming and part of it was also on nutrition as well, because I became very fascinated with the idea that, you know, what we are, what we're putting in the ground and what those plants are pulling from the ground is what we're eating. And how our body gets the nutrients and the micronutrients that it needs is through the foods that we eat. I mean, that, that idea of you are what you eat is very, very literal. And so I, I became very interested in soil health. You know, what, what is in our soil and does our soil have more than just the nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, those big three, does it have all those micronutrients that that plant needs and that our bodies need so that we can get it from those plants. So I became very interested in all of that. And I must have been a teacher in a former life because I've always been one where if I learn something new, I want to share it with everybody. Everybody that's around me needs to know, hey, guess what I learned? Look at this. Look how interesting this is. It doesn't matter what it's about. I've always wanted to share that information. And so partway through my schooling journey, I realized that I wanted to share that information with people who maybe couldn't afford to go and get a horticulture degree. You know, I got lucky because I used, I still had my GI bill available from when I was in the Marines. So I had help getting through the majority of my schooling. You know, I still had to get some, some student loans and stuff, but not nearly to the point where, you know, it was a hundred thousand dollars or something that I owed at the end of my schooling. So, and I know a lot of people can't do that. A lot of people can't even take the time to go through like a master gardener's class or something like that. So my idea was, well, I'll just take what I learn and what I've learned over the past, you know, however many years I've been doing this, 15, 20 years in the gardens and teach other people how to do it. And so I thought, well, and I already did, you know, just from sort of naturally meeting people at farmer's markets, 
had been invited to speak with like moms groups and, and sustainability, you know, groups and stuff about what we were doing on the farm and how we were doing it. And so, and I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed sharing the story of the farm or, you know, how, how to grow something yourself. And so once I was going through and getting my degree, I was like, all right, well, how can I do this in addition to doing the farm? by, you know, sharing this information with other people. So I came up with the idea that, well, you know what, I'll start a podcast and I will just share what I learn, you know, and we'll go from there. And it was kind of in the background of my head. I hadn't actually said anything about it. And then I spoke it out into the world one day to my husband about, you know, what, maybe, maybe I could do this. Once again, he looked at me like I had two heads and then proceeded to gift me for my graduation a whole podcast setup. <laughs> he bought me a microphone and he bought me headphones and all kinds of stuff, whatever. So once again, very supportive of my craziness. And I launched a gardening podcast. And the whole idea behind it is, hey, I want to teach you how to grow something of your own, regardless of what space you have, because it took me this long to figure out what was going wrong in my gardens and and why things weren't growing right the third and fourth year and why there were bugs and why there were weeds. And I want to help you cut through all of that and just give you the answers <laughs> so that you can enjoy your gardening and get your food and do what you can for your family without having to go through four years of school and 15 years of farming to figure it out. I just feel from hearing your story and knowing you, Karen, that you have honestly gone full circle. When we go back to high school and you wanted to be in broadcasting or do media or any of these things, you've gone to the full circle and you're back here now. And you've had so many learning experiences along the way. And they're all learning experiences, whether they were easy, whether they were hard. And you have been able to create such an amazing resource for people who simply just want to grow food or are curious about growing food and maybe not doing it on such a large scale where they have 75 CSA clients, but they're just feeding their family or they're just feeding themselves in an apartment with a north facing window, any of these things, and just making this information attainable to people. And especially now when we think about the world that we live in, where there are folks who still do not have access to fresh food where they live and they can live in Canada or they can live in the U.S. or they live in a flourishing country, but they still don't have that access. And by you giving them this information that you've learned to help them grow something to feed themselves or their family, you are your giver. And that's what I've gotten from you and from our time together you know, your acts of service to your country. And now, you know, those are still continuing your acts of service to people to provide them with the knowledge and information to grow food. Like, bravo to you. And thank you for continuing to serve others. You are a big giver. That's very sweet of you, Caitlin. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> You can help support the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the Rural Woman podcast on Patreon. What is Patreon? It's a membership-based platform that helps fund and support creators like me to create and produce content like this that you all love. New to the Rural Woman podcast, Patreon is ad-free listening and patron-only bonus content and exclusive episodes. Learn more and join the patron gang today at patreon.com slash the rural woman podcast. So tell us more about the podcast. Give us the name. Give us give us your podcast spiel. My podcast spiel, it is the Just Grow Something podcast, and you can find it wherever you find your podcast. It is absolutely a labor of love. It it really is designed to let people, you know, a lot of gardening books, you go and you look and it's like the A to Z of gardening. It's everything and it's crammed into this book and you kind of have to search to figure out Maybe you're just having a problem and you with your carrots. You can't figure out because carrots are divas. Okay, let's just put that out there right now. You can't figure out what's going wrong with your carrots. 
you have to go and search and figure out and you got all these different resources everywhere and, and, you know, everybody's different opinion of how you should do it, this, that, and the other. And the idea behind the podcast is let me just take this one subject. And today I'm going to talk about carrots and this is how you start them. This is how you grow them. This is what they need. This is how you harvest and store them. Period. I also give the ethnobotanical kind of background of them, of how did they come to be cultivated versus their wild counterparts and how were the wild counterparts used traditionally in the cultures that they're native to. So just kind of that back, there's a little bit of nerdiness to it. There's very much that kind of, you got to be a little bit of a science nerd. You got to kind of, you know, deal with me, you know, really digging into things, but it's, it's, a, it's one topic so that if you just want to know about the carrots, you can go find the carrot episode and you can listen to it that way. You know, and I'm and I'm I'm trying to get the website to be the same thing where I can go and I can, you know, put a blog post out there that says, hey, this is what's going on with carrots. Here's all four different articles that I've written about carrots or whatever. So that if you have no interest in tomatoes, you don't have to learn about growing tomatoes. But then the other side of it too is, you know, yes, we're doing things with the garden, but then also what topics are there? that are surrounding food in general and agriculture in general that people should be hearing about that maybe they're not or that they need to be aware of. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in food and ag, not just you know in North America, but throughout the world that a lot of people aren't aware of. And there's stuff that goes on in our backyards that we're not aware of. And it's a matter of Yes, you know, should you know where your food is coming from? Absolutely. Should you be able to grow something of your own? Absolutely. Even if it's just, you know, a potted plant of basil in your windowsill and you can pull a little bit of basil off and put it on your plate. There, there's some there's some empowerment in that. You can look on that plate and go, I grew that. That came from me. I provided something for my plate. But there are other issues outside of that that I think people forget are happening or that they need to know about. And so I do plug some of those episodes in there too, so that that it's a little bit more rounded of it's not just gardening, it's food, it's ag. And I think it's important for that to happen because, you know, there are three things that we need, you know, it's water, it's food, and it's some sort of, of protection from the elements, you know, and that, that second one food, I think a lot of the time gets taken for granted depending on where you live. And sometimes we just need a reminder of, you know, even if, even when we have it bad, even me as a single mom, you know, trying to, to feed my kids, I had it better than a lot of other people did at the time or do now. And so I think it's, it, you know, it's, it, there needs to be a little bit of that thrown in there as well, which, you know, I don't, I don't like to get, I don't get preachy, but I just want to pass information on so that people know, and they're aware that there's other stuff going on out there. So. Right. Well, and I want to thank you for that because those conversations are not easy to have and it can be just as easy to pass on those topics and just stick to what's in the soil, what's in the dirt, all of these things. But bringing those to light and bringing the knowledge that you have around those topics and again, not being preachy, but just sharing those so we're aware of what's happening and perhaps as consumers make different choices or are able to support different folks that are in need versus maybe what we typically thought we needed to, right? So it's a very complex and I just that it is. And there it is it's very difficult too sometimes because I know oftentimes that I'm coming from a place of of more privilege than other people might be. You know, I can now at this stage of my life make the decision when I go to a grocery store, I'm not going to buy this product because I know where it came from. I don't appreciate the growing practices. I can choose if I want to go for organic. I can choose to go for a fair trade label or whatever. And knowing that it's probably costing me more to be able to do that, but that I have put myself into a position now where I am able to make that and I prioritize that. And I may not spend money on something else because I'm trying to spend my money you know, on things that are ethically sourced as far as my ethics are concerned. But I also have to keep in mind that Number one, I wasn't always in that position. And at some point I didn't give, you know, two hoots about where the food was coming from because I just needed something to fill my kids' bellies. And a lot of the time it was also processed because that was what was cheapest and that was what was most easily available. And it wasn't going to go bad in the refrigerator before my kids ate it, you know? So yeah, that was the better option for me. But when speaking about these topics, 
keeping that in the back of my brain, not everybody can make that decision right now. So here's the information and here's what you can do with it. Even if you are not in a position monetarily to do something about it, support this organization just by sharing their information or by following them on social media or, you know, keeping it aware so that when they do go to the grocery store and they look and they go, okay, you know, can I make this decision? Is there something that's of equal, you know, price point that sits with my values better? And then they can make that decision. And it's an informed decision as best they can. Well, and again, thank you so much for sharing that information, because I just think, like I said, it is sometimes it can be a really awkward conversation. And sometimes people can, you know, get butt hurt by this information that's being shared, because whether they knew the information or not before, it can go against what they value or what they know and all of these things. So they can be difficult conversations to have. But you know, I think they're necessary to have. And I know I try my hardest to have those conversations and share that information here on the podcast and through social media and all of those things. And, you know, it might not make us the most popular girls in school, (laughs) but at the end of the day, I think it all goes down to what you value. So your podcast, the Just Grow Something podcast, I like to consider myself a number one fangirl as I expanded my garden in 2021, and I have learned so much from you. I know your garlic episode, like the back of my hand, because I am growing garlic the first time this year. So I'm really excited and looking forward to it. But just your style of podcasting, it makes the information like, I love that you nerd out on things because I can hear the passion in your voice. They might not all stick in my head because I'm not that nerdy about soil things, but I do want to know how to have a successful garden to feed my family and to feed our crew here on the farm. It's not something that makes money for the farm. It's not anything, but it brings me so much joy to be in the garden. And you, more times than not, were in my earpods when I was out in the garden trying to do something or just weeding and just hearing this information. So Thank you. Thank you for being my friend in the garden and uh, keeping me company. I love to hear that. I love to hear, you know, when, when somebody has gotten something out of the podcast and it's, it's, it's helped them in some way. And some of the most fun encounters that I have is somebody coming up to the farm stand at the farmer's market saying, oh, I'm loving the podcast. I learned how to do such and such. And that makes me swoon like you would not like it makes me so happy that somebody learned something from, from what I'm doing, because I think that's, you know, sometimes behind being, you know, behind a a microphone and, you know, you're just kind of throwing stuff out into the universe and you're hoping that somebody's listening to it. You don't, you don't get that feedback. You don't know, like when you're having a conversation with somebody, whether or not they're engaging with what you're saying. So to have any kind of feedback whatsoever about, you know, oh, I love that episode or I hated that episode. That'd be fine feedback too. (laughs) It's just awesome to hear. So I'm so glad. I'm so thankful that, that you've been able to glean something from from my words out in the garden and uh, your gardens were looking were looking mighty fine this year from what I saw so way to go yeah it was hot some some things got fried but other than that they were okay yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) well and that brings up a good point about being people behind microphones because you and I are both podcasters and Karen is a member of Positively Farming Media which most of you know is a communications media platform that a good friend Bev and I co-founded in 2021, where we as podcasters wanted to come together for podcasters in the food and agriculture space to collaborate and learn from one another. Because like you said, Karen, you have this information from being a gardener and from getting a degree in horticulture, all of these things. And I feel the same as I was the person who started a podcast in 2019 and had not a hot damn clue of what I was supposed to be doing. And I it was like a slugfest trying to go through all of the information on the internet and social media and see what other people were doing and just not knowing what the right answer was and not having that community to know the burnout of a podcaster. So that was important for Bev and I for having a space where people can come together. And you have been such a wonderful member of that community. And I guess for me, if you're listening to this and you have a podcast in the food and agriculture space, or you think that you would like to start a podcast, 
I think it's important to know about, you know, we talk about the hashtag community over competition and all of those things, but it truly is. There are millions of podcasts out there now, and to feel alone in that space seems crazy because there's so many podcasts out there. But we wanted to create a space where we could come together and talk about things and share information and share what's been working for us, how we've gotten to 300,000 downloads, all of these things, because I think it's important for these stories and this information to get out there. So that's my long spiel of thanking you for being a part of Positively Farming Media as well. Well, I mean, I'm I'm very glad that you guys came up with the concept because it is kind of lonely when you're out there and you just you start this thing, this project, this labor of love and you don't know where to go with it and so you kind of go out and you do your search and you you know, you do your own research and try to figure it out and it is it's amazing how alone you can feel in an effort where there are hundreds of thousands of other people who are doing the exact same thing but all you see is like these top podcasts of these people who were already famous. And so, you know, they just jumped in and, you know, started a podcast and everybody started following it. And you're, you're down here at the bottom of the barrel going, well, is anybody listening? You know, hello, is this thing on? And then you get into a group of people who are doing the same thing that you are. And it's the support has been amazing. And, you know, the sort of modules and stuff that you guys have put together through the mastermind and stuff has been fabulous because it helps you think about things that maybe you wouldn't think about before. My husband says, he knows my, my, my favorite line is we don't know what we don't know. And that was absolutely true of podcasting. Like I just, okay, you flip this on and and you start talking and then, and then where do you, where do you go? What do you do? And so, you know, positively farming media has been great and it is positive. It's all, you know, that cooperation amongst everybody and helping each other out. And whether you've been doing it for a long time or you just started or you haven't even started, you know, it's a, it's a great space to be in. So I appreciate, I appreciate you and Bev, you know, coming up with the whole concept and I'm really super glad to be a part of it. Thank you. Well, this is so good. We've just been fangirling over each other this whole time (laughs) and I just feel all warm and fuzzy about it now. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) (laughs) For listeners, if you are interested in learning more about Positively Farming Media, I will leave the link in the show notes for that. As well, if you are listening on Spotify, we do have a playlist with all of the other podcasts that are in Positively Farming Media that we update with all new episodes of all of our wonderful podcasters. So be sure you check that out on Spotify. Just look up Positively Farming Media and all of the goodness that comes from that. Karen. My last question for you is what is the most rewarding part about being a farmer for you? Feeding people. You know, like I said, there there are those three things that the human body needs hands down without fail. I can't do anything about the water part of it, but the food part of it, there is something very visceral about the whole the whole thing. And the appreciation that you get from people who you know, I, I get the opportunity to be able to see the people who are eating my food, you know, not just through the CSA program, but also for those that shop at the farmer's market stands and the level of appreciation that people have for, you know, being able to connect with the person who is providing them that food is something really, really special. And it's not anything that I would have ever expected when I first started this. I just I just wanted to make some money on the farm and you know do it doing something that I enjoyed doing. The human connection that came along with it was completely unexpected and is absolutely the most amazing thing about farming for me. That is so good. That is so great. And your community is just so lucky to have you. And I am lucky to have you in my community. So thank you so much for being here. For the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? So the farm is Wolf Creek Family Farm, and that's the same across Facebook, Instagram, and .com. And then the podcast is Just Grow Something on Facebook, and it's Just Grow Something Podcast on Instagram and .com. Perfect. And I will link all of those in the show notes so people can find you, connect with you, and listen to your podcast and have a fellow friend in the garden. Thank you, Caitlin. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed today's 
interview with my friend Karen. I know I sure did. And if that conversation doesn't make you want to get your hands a little dirty in the soil, I don't know what will. And be sure that you take a look for Karen's podcast, Just Grow Something, wherever you listen to podcasts. She is a member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network, which if you head over to Spotify and check out Positively Farming Media, we have a playlist with all of the other podcasts on that network there too. So, so many great other podcasts out there to listen to and get all of your agriculture goodness in one spot. But as promised, Karen and I have recorded a full bonus episode for the patrons of the Rural Woman podcast at tier 10 or higher. A question I had received from a listener or a suggestion, I should say, for a podcast topic was they wanted to know what it actually took to start their own CSA. And I had the opportunity to sit down with Karen and ask her all of those specific questions of what does it take to start your own CSA from the acreage you need to the infrastructure you need to how much does it actually cost? So Karen was gracious enough to give me all of those answers from a woman herself who has developed an amazing CSA program for her community. Here's a special sneak peek of that bonus episode. What I've seen suggested, which is to, hey, go to the grocery store and see what they're charging in the grocery store and figure out, you know, what are people spending on average um, at your local stores for their produce, you know, and then and then base your pricing off of that, you know, add on what it is that you want to make as a as a profit. I don't think that's a fair comparison and I don't think that's a fair way to price your stuff only. And I don't and what I and when I say fair, I mean fair to you as the grower. And the reason for that is, you know, what, what you're seeing in the grocery store is not, if, if you're doing things the right way, not going to be the same caliber as what you can deliver to your customers. You know, it, that your stuff is not going to be sitting on a store shelf for who knows how long before the customer gets it. So you've got a premium product right there to begin with. It's being picked and it's being, you know, getting, given directly to the consumer um, and and there is a premium to that. Um, and then, you know, you need to be compensated for the amount of work that you are doing. And I think that's the biggest problem that people have with pricing anything as a producer. But, um, you know, specifically with the CSA is don't underestimate the amount of work that is going into what you are doing. Um, now, are you going to be pricing it like gold? No, but because we still want to make it accessible to people. Um, what I always say to do is to figure out exactly how much of your time is going into everything that goes into creating that share from the planning and the organizing and the crop planning and the purchasing of the seeds and the planting and the cultivating and the harvesting, the boxing, the delivering, all of it. So if you want to hear that full episode, if you are currently a patron at tier 10 or higher, it's already downloaded to your phone. But if you want to learn more about how you can listen to that episode, as well as support the Rural Woman podcast, you can head on over to wildrosefarmer.com and learn more about how you can become a patron through Patreon or simply scroll down in your show notes on this episode and get that link to head on over to Patreon. There are so many different perks that start as low as the $5 tier per month, which include ad-free listening, a quarterly hat draw, and tier 10 and higher get access to full bonus episodes, extended episodes, and my patron-only podcast, my solo podcast, Maybe You Can Relate. Thank you all again so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast, and we will see you back here same time, same place next week. Take care.
Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producer, Sarah Reedner of Happiness by the Acre, and to my editor, Max Hofer. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can connect with me on social media using the handle at wildrosefarmer on all platforms. If you love the show, make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts, plus share it with a friend. We'll see you next time. Did you know that you can get this same great episode of the Rural Woman podcast ad-free? I get it. Listening to ads during a podcast isn't always my favorite either. But in order to keep the lights and coffee pot on here at the Rural Woman podcast studios, they are necessary. I am so grateful to each and every one of my sponsors, but if you yourself would like to skip the ads while supporting the show, consider joining me over on Patreon. Patrons of the Rural Woman podcast get ad-free episodes starting at tier five on their podcast player of choice each week, plus some other great benefits. Find out more by heading to the link in today's show notes to learn how you can become a patron through Patreon.